Hi, coaches, and welcome to another episode of the ITA College Tennis Coaches Podcast. Today, my guest is Dwayne Holdquist. Dwayne has almost completed 21 seasons as the head coach of Florida State and is the winningest coach in Florida State history. Like many of our guests, he has won his fair share of coaching awards through the years. However, as much time as Dwayne has put into developing his team into ACC and NCAA title contenders, he also recognizes the need to spend just as much time building community support for his program. In this podcast, we discuss how a coach can go about building community interest in their team, even if they are new to an area and do not have many connections, if any, how he balances his work building support for his program and his coaching duty, and how he manages his responsibilities as a coach while raising five children with his wife, Angela. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dwayne. Dwayne Holquist, welcome to the ITA College Tennis Coaches Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Lots of lots of questions here for you, Dwayne. So we're going to get straight into it. So just going through your your record, um, I noticed that in 2018 you had one of your your best teams maybe ever. And and uh, I'm interested in how, after all these years in coaching, how you continue to challenge yourself to be a better coach and be more effective with each passing year. Yeah, you know, uh, that was a special year. You know, we had three uh, outstanding players and then uh, a ton of other really good players. Um, we had uh, Aziz Dugas, Lucas Polian, and Guy Eridikunda. And, and all three of those guys actually made the NCAA. It's the first time it's ever happened at Florida State that we had three guys and, um, you know, all those guys are out playing professionally now. So, uh, and doing well, you know, 300 to 600 in the world. And, um, so, uh, you know, I think the key thing was those guys, I think, um, you know, Lucas Pullian was a guy that virtually never lost for us. He was, I think 41 and five his last two years. So <laughs> kind of winning about 90% and, and, uh, Guy and Aziz both had really big wins in college and be, you know, guys that were in the top 10. So, um, that was, that was a great year. You know, we had, um, uh, beat number one team in the country, NCAA champion, defending NCAA champion that year. You know, I think one of the things that, you know, as a college coach, you know, where we've kind of had a change is you have a lot of guys that are coming and they're used to having their own coach and, um, you know, individuals and, and those kind of things. So uh, I think one of the things we started is like split practice. And so uh, a couple of days a week, uh, we have half the team come at one time and half the other. And to me, that's that's one of those things that's, I think, uh, elevated our program to where guys are getting a lot of individual work that way. And, um, you know, I think they're used to it. And, and I think that maybe helps them uh, transition better. Hmm. And so uh, is what is your your kind of process then at the end of each year? I mean, are you looking at how do you evaluate your program? How do you evaluate the previous year? And, and again, get excited, get motivated, make some changes for, for the year ahead. Yeah, you know, I think I think you um, you always got to be looking at how what you can do differently, what you did well, but then what you can do differently. Uh, you know, we've started an intern program uh, off court, uh, this year that's doing a lot of, uh, video work for us and, um, you know, some stuff, social media, and you, you see it on some of the, you know, our graphics and the stuff that we put out that, but, you know, I'm not particularly good at those things, but, um, you know, we're, we've got some, you know, 20 year olds that are really good at it. So, you know, 
trying to maximize, uh, you know, delegate some of the things that you do, because if, um, you know, if you're going to be on the court more, then you still got to get the things done off the court. And, and so I think that's it. You know, um, Chris, my assistant, Chris Doris done a great job on recruiting. So those things are, are important that, uh, you know, you, you manage some of those and in a COVID environment, you got to be creative in that. Yeah, for sure. And so taking you back to your, your days in Texas, can you tell us some of the lessons that you learned from Coach Schneider during your time there and, and maybe some of those lessons that you still apply today at Florida State as a head coach? Yeah, you know, um, uh, Coach Schneider, you know, had a, about a 30 year career uh, there at Texas, you know, one of the one of the winningest coaches. And, um, you know, I thought one of the things that he really instilled is is pride in the program. And uh, so with the pride in the program, I think his players all knew who they were representing. And, you know, we try to do that for state having uh, them, you know, have an unconquered spirit. That's kind of a big, big saying here. And, um, you know, I think that and then also I think the relationships that he had with his uh, ex players, you know, played 15, 20 years before he still stayed in contact with all them and, um, you know, maintain those relationships. And um, I think, um, I think that was very, uh, uh, very good on his part. Also, some of his ex-players ended up being the guys that donated to his program. And, um, you know, one of, one of the ex-players at Texas uh, basically donated the uh, indoor facility that they have now. So, you know, I really feel like, uh, those, those are some things that I, uh, picked up from him. Obviously he was a great coach and, and did, um, you know, won a lot of championships and, uh, did those things. But I, I think those would be some things that I would really remember from him. Mm, very good. And you mentioned before we start recording here, Dwayne, you know, you usually have pretty big crowds at, at your matches and, and uh, you're limited to to 116 this time around this past weekend when you competed, um, which is still 116 is a lot more than you'll see at, at, a, at a lot of other places where you go compete. And I'm interested, you know, we're encouraging our coaches, obviously, to get involved in the community and, and build those connections and try to make their programs as relevant as possible, not only within their athletic department, but within their community as a whole. But a lot of coaches are coming into a, a brand new place. Um, and, and so, you know, you played your tennis at Penn State, you started your coaching career at Texas. I'm assuming you had no real connection to Tallahassee or, or Florida State before you arrived there, but you've gone about building this, you know, amazing tennis community that are so invested in your program. So how did you go about building those connections early on in your career? career and then solidifying and building upon uh, those connections and, and further, I guess, roots within the community? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I think uh, I didn't know anyone in Tallahassee. Um, uh, you know, I knew of Florida State because of their football program and, you know, I'd kind of followed them that way. But, you know, when I was assistant coach, I really looked at, okay, where would be some schools that I would like to go to? And, um, you know, one of those schools was Florida State that was kind of in my top five schools because I felt like it could really um, be developed. I knew that they had the football tradition and um, they had recently switched during that time from the Metro Conference to the ACC. So they had gotten into a, uh, a major conference. So, um, you know, it's hard to believe but back in the early 90s, you could 
you know, the conference, uh, the Metro, you'd think of it now as kind of a mid-major. And yet Florida State moved to the ACC, started uh, being a dominant football program. And I just thought the tennis program could do that. So, you know, one of the things that we did early on and uh, to build the community um, was uh, we started a banquet. And the first year we had 200 people. The next year we had 300 people. And before uh, before long, we had 500 people. And we were maxed out into uh, the University Center Club, which overlooks the football stadium. And um, uh, people were, you know, paying, you know, $30, $30 to come have a meal. We'd have some video presentation. And that was really the start of our uh, the groundwork that we did to build our indoor facility. So to create this community, uh, we'd do it in January as the season was getting started. I felt like that was more important than doing it postseason. So, um, uh, you know, get up, get up and speak and uh, have introduce the guys. They're in coats and ties. We'd have them uh, seated at different tables around so the people in the community get to know them. And, and you know, it wasn't even a lot of the people that gave, we created the vision of an indoor facility, which originally people told me, you don't need an indoor facility. You're in Florida. You have great weather. Well, you know, one of my first years, uh, we missed the tournament because we had two rainouts. And um, and so I knew that this indoor facility was going to be important. And and so, um, you know, we we started raising some money and um, the, a lot of the people that gave, they heard about it and they said, hey, I want to give to it. It wasn't even some of the meetings weren't even ones that we had to ask. And so uh, one of our guys, Charlie Barnes and the boosters, he and, he and I started meeting with people. And before long, we had raised two two million dollars over several years. But um, and then uh, uh, we got got some other funding and, uh, you know, we built the facility. So really, I think that kind of really helped jumpstart our program and helped our attendance. And then the other thing I, I really tried to do is play some of the best people in the country. And uh, so we started some uh, home and aways. Uh, Illinois came here when they're number one in the country. And, um, you know, we started gaining the crowd support that uh, we beat. We beat Duke um, in 03. Uh, when uh, they had won 56 in a row. So I really felt like the crowd and the community was part of the growth of our program. Mm -hmm. And so when you said you you started those banquets um, early in your, your tenure there, how did you even go about that? Like, who were you inviting? Uh, you know, who was there a list that Florida State Development Department uh, provided you to start inviting people? Or how did you just build that momentum and start getting people there? You know, I think um, Tallahassee had about a thousand people that played league tennis. Um, I was a member of the Tallahassee Tennis Association. I got to know some of those people. And, uh, you know, I started, hey, would you get me a table of 10? And, you know, I'd ask you, in, you know, I, I probably got about 30 or 40 people at the end who would, who would get me tables of 10. And, and then, um, you know, we, we combined some uh, celebrity people. Uh, um, to, to come in. I had Dick Gould come and speak um, at our banquet. And um, I, uh, I had uh, Malvi Washington come. Yeah. And um, so we had uh, some celebrity people come in. We had ex-football players that came. Um, Brad Johnson came one time, Peter Boulware, who were uh, NFL, you know, Super Bowl winning uh, players. And, and so we just connected there and, um, you know, just gained momentum each year. And, um, you know, I think uh, our last bank that we did, uh, 
um, we actually did in the new indoor tennis center. So we converted it and, and did it right there because that was kind of the, the, the end of, of that project. And, and uh, you know, we had had a number of people there and, and did it there. So, you know, I think a lot of people combined to make that happen. And um, but, you know, now it's it's, you know, now it would be a must to have it. At the time, I think it was like, oh, is that just a wish list? But, um, you know, certainly we use it for a pro tournament that's on our campus. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we have envisioned using it for even outside activities in the future. I mean, if we had six more indoor courts, we'd want to host the, the national indoors here in Tallahassee. That would be great. I'll hold you to that, Dwayne. Keep working on that. So uh, just just staying on the kind of community thread here, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of those people showing up for the banquet now are, are maybe parents or players who have gone through your after school program, through your summer camps and, and have really got invested in Florida State tennis. So can you talk about how you went about building the after school program, the summer camp business, if coaches have, you know, kind of control over their own facility, have access to the courts um how can they go about building that and then what are some of the benefits that you've seen from from all the work you've put into that area yeah you know i think um you know we started in year one uh with our after school program there was a number of kids in town who wanted to to you know have have us do kind of a group lesson and we started one night a week and um we had about 12 kids and then very quickly um, we built that up to about 36 kids and, and then, um, the parents said, Hey, can you do it more than one day, day a week? And, uh, Nick, Nick Kroll, who's, uh, who, who, you know, at Oklahoma was my assistant at the time. And, and, uh, he really took, he ran with that and, uh, you know, we built up to over hundred kids and, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, we did it five days a week. We kind of backed off and we we're like, Hey, let's just do it before because people leave on weekends and we dropped off on Friday. But um, over time, we had four players that were top five in the state in Florida. And, and um, uh, we had uh, a couple of them that uh, came played for us, and Terrence and Terrell Whitehurst. Um, they did our after-school program from 11 to 18. And then um, they came and played for us. They were the fourth winningest doubles team in the history of Florida State tennis. So, um, you know, we we didn't know that that would occur, but, um, you know, they were great. They brought a lot of energy and also, you know, everyone wanted to come see them play. Um, mm. and, um, you know, I think, I think that the other thing is it connected, you know, Tallahassee is the capital of Florida and there's, there's a lot of people that are involved in the legislature and in, um, you know, lobbying and a lot of those groups and a lot of them are tennis players and some of the people in the legislature play tennis. So building those relationships with those people. And, um, you know, I, I think that's helped us And some of our fundraising has come out of those people and, and they've been very helpful to it. And, um, uh, the next thing we kind of started and we've been doing for a number of years now is, uh, we have them hit with the players on our team in the fall. Um, and we have uh, about 30 people that do that and they pay for uh, it's basically uh, for the year. And, and we actually give them seats in, in our outdoor stadium. So it's, it's almost like the, it's like, um, you know, a seating package that they do. And, um, you know, those people have been very loyal to us and, and come. And, and so, you know, that's the after school program has helped us in the community as well. 
um, as, as well as, uh, you know, we've had, uh, four kids from Tallahassee that have actually played for us throughout the years. Mm. So it sounds like Dwayne, uh, for you, it was just, it was getting started. It was getting these things started and, and just understanding that they'd start small, but being disciplined, doing them year on year and that word of mouth and doing a good job with those things, the, the word would spread is, is was that kind of your mindset? Just, just get things started and be disciplined about it. Yeah. And, and build, build on it. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, when we got started with the after school program, we actually, uh, hired a uh, compliance lawyer, uh, who, uh, worked for the compliance group, but lived here in town and, and, you know, did all those things to make sure we're under compliance. And, um, you know, but I think, uh, you know, it's, it's enabled, you look at like someone like Nick Kroll, he stayed here for 13 years because, uh, he had a nice, nice income and he was really looking for the right job, you know, which, which he found, uh, you know, at Oklahoma and, but that wouldn't have occurred if, you know, if he was making, you know, 40,000 a year. And so I think it's really helped support our, um, our coaches and, and even our volunteer coach as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I that gives us that third coach, that third coach. Um, I think one of the things I'm a little concerned uh, from a national level is that uh, you look at um, it's really hard to break in as an assistant coach and it's hard for opportunities. But if you've got these volunteer assistant positions that you can get by for a couple years because you can teach, teach a little bit, maybe go to grad school and um, and then work your way in, um, you know, the it's a premium. These jobs are premium jobs. And even some of these assistants are as well. So, you know, I, I really think uh, giving people the opportunity to come get experience and, and then move on. My my uh, volunteer coaches uh, who have come through here are doing doing very well. Tassil Schmidt's out at uh, Pepperdine and uh, Everton Urbina, you know, is, uh, is out at Air Force. And, you know, um, you know, some of the other ones that have come through our program, you know, we're, we're getting them kind of placed. So you know, we want to create that so that they have those opportunities. Yeah, that's great. And so tell us, Dwayne, how, how do you balance all these priorities? I mean, you're, you're obviously you've got, you talked earlier about delegation, but you've got the, the team component, the matches, the practice, the building, the culture, ensuring the culture is in a good place, recruiting of players. But then you have this, this after school program, you have the banquet, you have everything else you're doing in the community. And I think sometimes coaches get a little overwhelmed with all these things. And it's like, well, I can't, I can't do it all. Um, you know, I, I, I'm something's got to give here. So, so how are you managing to balance all these things or, or how have you throughout your career? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. It's, it is a challenge to make that. And I think, I think in, in my world, I try to, uh, give a lot of, um, responsibility, uh, to the people around me, you know, um, you know, Chris, uh, Chris handles our recruiting, even though I'm involved, but he lets me know what's uh, going on that, you know, our, our volunteer coach is handling our scouting, um, you know, of opponents coming up and some of the travel arrangements when we're on the road, you know, our ops person is handling our, uh, Monroe is handling our transportation and, uh, he is, is handling all the details uh, around, uh, around the program, uh, he's handling the intern program that I mentioned earlier. So those things, 
if you delegate those things, then you can spend your time on, on, on bigger things and on things that are there and also getting them to the point where, uh, they come, uh, with the decision to me, Hey, this is what I think we are, should do. Are you good with that? Yeah, I'm good with that. I don't have to rethink that decision-making process sometimes because they've already thought through that and they think that's best. And so then it's an easy decision rather than I've got to think through that decision. Mm-hmm. So Dwayne, if, if coaches don't necessarily have access to assistant coaches, you know, grad assistants, um, operation managers, and they're, you know, they're maybe coaching two teams, one coach for, for a men's and a women's team, they have maybe large rosters and they're just getting started. What are some of the things that they should maybe prioritize and put at the forefront of their mind? Is it maybe fundraising for a grad assistant or are there other things that they can start doing um, or prioritizing in their first, you know, six months to a year? You know, I really think uh, you can kind of use the resources of the school, uh, have some of the students working with you who uh, are going to get credit for doing a a management marketing internship or, you know, at Florida State, we have the number one sport management program in the country. And um, Monroe Donnelly came from there. And, and, you know, I really think um, uh, he's our ops person. So I think we can kind of uh, plug in some of the things that you use the resources from the school. And then, you know, what I do is, you know, if you don't have money for an assistant coach, you know, find a local club in town and, and, um, see if an assistant pro or head pro, uh, wants to help you out a couple of days a week. I know, um, some small schools that have great coaches who are, you know, on very minimal amount of money, but who just love the sport and love being involved that way. Yeah, it's, it's great advice and and good thing for coaches to think about as as they get started and in, in a new place and again building those connections. Especially like you said, I mean, I think a lot of coaches are very passionate about college tennis. They may be at a club coaching the the ladies' morning and and would love to be maybe in a more competitive environment. And then that's one more connection that they're building maybe with a club in town and uh, and building their community. So, just in terms of, of television, I know you have a lot of experience with that through the years and and kind of love to get your thoughts on where you believe television streaming broadcasting fits in with the relevancy of college tennis and what are some ways you have had success showcasing events and dual matches on television through the years yeah you know i think um i remember uh being in some meetings with other coaches and it was kind of like oh tennis will never work you know you need too many cameras and you know i think we've been able to make it happen here at a very affordable uh, price because um, we have seminal productions. You know, we use the, the students are doing the, the cameras, you know, we'll, we'll use six or eight cameras for a match. And um, uh, we get uh, broadcasting help from people in the community um, to do that. And we're at the point now it's only $1,500 for us to put a match on TV. Oh. And, um, you know, our viewership has been outstanding when we, when we played at Lake Nona, um, we had 40,000 people that watched that night, um, at least a certain amount of time. Um, our matches at FSU, were getting about, uh, uh, you know, maybe five to 7,000 people that are watching or watching after the match, uh, you know, kind of like on a, on a delayed basis and, um, you know, for exposing our program and also to move us, um, you know, if, 
if our TV, if you look at it, where does tennis stand TV? Well, we're, you know, football's way here and then basketball is pretty, really, really high and baseball is, is very high and maybe softball. But I think we've got to continue to move us into the middle tier on TV. So we're there with lacrosse and we're there with swimming and, um, you know, wrestling. And if we can do that and have a great product, I think college tennis in many ways is, is very compelling because you can jump to the court. That's more exciting because that's where the match is going to come down to. Um, so I think it has, uh, I'm really happy how weird we do it. Uh, we have an on-court reporter, and then we have two guys that are in the studio, and those in the studio are doing the play-by-play, but then they go to Tony Whitehurst, who is on court. He's grabbing interviews. He's talked to us uh, as coaches during the match, after the doubles. Um, and so I think, uh, it's, I think it's really exciting. I think, I think we need to battle, uh, in my world, being in the ACC, we just got, we just got to try to get on the ACC network. So it goes that way and the SEC network and, um, you know, the other conferences, I just think that's as a an association, I think that's a high priority. If we do that, you know, tennis is going to thrive and we're going to, we're going to continue to, to move forward. Even in this uncertain time, mm-hmm. um, they need live programming. And, uh, it's been my feeling that we ought to do Thursday night and dominate that space because, um, a lot of the other sports play on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, you know, if we had TNT Thursday night tennis, uh, I think that would be a great thing. Um, uh, it's been connected with our um, administration has bought into this. Uh, we had to do some wiring initially to make it happen. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's, it is the, one of the key things that I think we've got to do in college tennis to elevate where we stand in athletic departments. Mm. So it sounds like you've really done a great job of tapping into the resources on your campus. Uh, so again, can you kind of walk us through that that process? You have an idea. Is it just making a connection with the dean of that school? Is it writing a proposal? Do you have an idea fleshed out before you go to them? Or do you work together on trying to, to implement some of these things that, that you've done over the years? Yeah, it, it is going to different people. You know, in the sports management, it was going to the internship coordinator. Um, because uh, the program that they have, uh, you have to have, um, uh, you know, nine or 12 credits of internship. So we're helping fulfill that, uh, the need of those students uh, when it goes to uh, seminal productions and putting it on, on TV, the, the head of that Kirby Kander who works for us, I was like, Kirby, here's my schedule. Uh, which ones will work for us to have it on TV this year? Um, uh, you know, so, you know, we like to have the rivalry ones, uh, you know, uh, you know, Florida, Miami, uh, this year I've got, uh, Auburn on. So we, we, uh, like having those and, um, it's interesting. You would think if it's on TV, you might have less attendance, but we find we actually have more attendance when it's on TV because, um, uh, then some of the student groups, uh, around campus are more, uh, eager to come. Um, you know, one of the things we've done on the attendance side on TV is we will go to the sorority houses on campus and we'll divide the guys up and they go, hey, we uh, have a big match this week. It's on TV on 
uh, ACC network or it's on uh, ESPN three or, and, you know, we'd love for you to attend. And, you know, sometimes we have 150 sorority girls that show up because of that. So um, sure the guys I, hate that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we've kind of connected with them as well, but uh, it, it is going to the people within the school. Um, we've worked with the sports marketing group as well. Um, where the class actually um, does uh, the attendance for uh, the match, the theme. So military day or uh, youth day or uh, um, do uh, something, uh, you know, uh, USTA wise or something. So that way there's a theme for each of the matches so that we're gaining a new audience uh, to come. Mm-hmm. So again, for, for coaches uh, with with fewer resources, w- would you again encourage them to at least get started and maybe putting a camera behind a couple of courts and streaming on YouTube and maybe doing some, you know, pre-match interview or post-match, even if it's a player interviewing them? What how, how can a coach get started here and, and showcasing their their matches a little bit more? Yeah, great question. Even if you don't have sports information help, there are students that will do uh, the work uh, for you, uh, digital media and social media that'll help because they want to get into that space. They want to get the experience with that. So I, I would find those students who, who want to do that and, um, you know, going through the major uh, you know, hey, do you have any students that would be interested in that? And usually you'll get a few, we'll interview them, and then we choose one. Mm. And so we've talked uh, a little bit about, you know, building a community after school programs. We talked about television. Um, you know, we've talked about having great teams as well. But uh, other than doing those things and maybe graduating, you know, great student athletes, uh, what else can a coach do to, to make themselves more relevant within their athletic department or, or on their campus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, your relationships with um, uh, upper level administration, athletic director, uh, the president, uh, President Thrasher here comes to matches every year. Uh, his wife's a tennis player. And uh, if we call his office and, hey, we want to invite the president out and, um, you know, same thing with our athletic director and getting them involved, getting them to see, um, you know, uh, the energy of college tennis and, and, and what we're doing. I, I think that's crucial that uh, as coaches, we develop those relationships during COVID. I've been very reluctant to um, uh, go to our AD cause I know everything that he's having to deal with. And yet uh, you know, but if I can let him know, this is what I'm doing. Hey, we'd love for you to come uh, this weekend for this weekend's match. I think it goes a lot of way, uh, a long way. If, if you get those people, um, around you. Um, the other person I think is key is uh, at, at Florida State, is we have the head of the boosters. We have a separate boosters group than we do out of athletics. And he, uh, getting him engaged and coming uh, to our, our functions, I think is crucial. Mm. 
Yeah. So again, moving over to the balance side of things. So, so you have five children, Dwayne, which I'm just in awe of, of that and, and how you manage that. I, when I was coaching, I uh, had two young boys. Um, they're a little older now, but uh, it, it was tough. And I know young coaches struggle with that when they start a family and have children. And I think I, I failed miserably at times. Sometimes I was too invested in my program and not enough in my family. And then other times I was, I was, uh, you know, swing the other way and would would do everything you know with my family and and ignore my team responsibilities because I was kind of swinging too far and on either side of the pendulum so and I, and I speak with other coaches and I know it's something that they struggle with so how have you found some semblance of balance between your coaching duties and being a great husband and father <laughs> well you know it's, it's something we got to work at and try I mean uh, you know, I'm fortunate, uh, you know, my wife actually, um, you know, she takes care of all the kids and gets them where they need to be. Uh, um, I actually, uh, my oldest just graduated from Florida state, played beach volleyball here. Uh, got, uh, my second is, uh, at Florida state now on the cross country team. Um, I've got, uh, and I've got my third is going to play indoor volleyball at Florida state next year. And then I've got two others. So I have hope in my fifth one who's boy who's a tennis player he's 11 <laughs> um, and uh, my fourth one uh, is is playing everything uh, right now including uh, uh, indoor and beach volleyball and tennis so she's she's uh, mm-hmm. doing everything but uh, so my wife actually gets them where they need to be I guess the thing that I've really tried to do is include them on some of my stuff and so uh, I've gone recruiting and and taken uh, my daughters and my son to the U.S. Open and you know I've uh, I, I, we had a team trip to Hawaii and, um, I took my family. We went a few days early and then when the team got there and met them there. Um, and, uh, you know, I, one of my daughters went with me to Wimbledon, uh, uh, recruiting and, you know, she'd, she'd go around with me all day and then, uh, each night we'd go do one activity. So, you know, we're just trying to, you know, I always say, if you can do two things at once, it's really good. And, so spend quality time with the family and at the same time, um, uh, you know, you're, you're off doing some of those things. So, um, I think that's what I've tried to do is, um, is to mix, uh, that to where they can be part of it. My son's come with me to matches, um, uh, in a COVID environment that won't happen. But mm-hmm. before that, you know, he's traveled down with me a couple of times to, uh, you know, Lake Nona and, and been part of that process and, part of seeing 2000 people at the match and having it on TV and, um, you know, rooting hard for us. So, you know, I think, I think he's, uh, experienced that. And I think that's, that's important. So to keep them involved and doing that. And then the other thing is, um, you know, as dad, I always try to make every time they play, if I can, uh, I don't miss very many of their, their, their games and, and, um, being supportive and, and doing that. And, so if I can work it out, uh, um, I, I remember going to watch my daughter play beach volleyball at FSU and we had a double header and in between the double header, I watched, watched him play. So, you know, I, it's, it's a challenge, but I, I try to always be there and, and there, there are things that they're doing. Um, they have gravitated away from tennis. I think, uh, my girls have, but, um, you know, they've, they've found their thing and I'm, I'm very interested in what they're doing. Hmm. 
Okay, well, well done, and and uh, great to hear how your your kids have have adopted uh, sports and a love for sports, and now playing at that level. That that's incredible. So, well, well done to you all, and look forward to watching your son's progress. I'm sure uh, some coaches might start recruiting him now, but. Um, we're going to move on to some quicker questions, Dwayne, here. What is a book that made a major impact on you as a coach? You know, I, I kind of picked two that I'm kind of reading right now. Um, there's a book called Coaching and Motivation. I'm having my assistants read that right now. Um, I, uh, I I like it because... It segments certain issues and and things, and um, you know, you know, is um, is coaching a, a, a science or an art, and you know, it's kind of it's kind of a little bit of both. You know, you, you're a psychologist, but uh, then you've got the technical side of things, and you know, like uh, you have to know how to push different people's buttons to get the most out of them because uh, everyone's going to be uh, different. You know, some people um, need a kick and some people need a hug and um, you know, you gotta, you gotta know how to do that. So that's coaching motivation. And then the second one is uh, who moved the cheese, um, you know, famous, famous book. Um, I, I like that too, uh, especially in a COVID environment, like, the way I would describe like life right now with the COVID and everything that's happening and, you know, matches getting canceled and you can't recruit and that thing. Well, uh, within COVID, there's also opportunity. And I try to tell our players that all the time is that, you know, it seems some things seem like, Oh, this is bad. I can't believe this happened, but there's also good things. You know, I, we talked about family a second ago, but you know, I spent a lot of time with my family during COVID. Um, you know, um, you know, uh, I, I ended up running, uh, uh, I'm not as fast as my daughters are now, but, you know, I go run two or three miles with them. Uh, you know, some of them uh, went with biking with me. We did a long bike. Uh, um, so there was, there was really good opportunity in there, um, that with that, you know, I got in a little better shape during COVID. So, hmm. you know, I think, I think some of those things that, well, so there's opportunity when sometimes we think of it's like, oh, I can't believe this or it's negative or down. But, you know, there's good things that come out of that. So that's that's something I try to do. But Who Moved the Cheese is, is one of those books that I think helps with that. OK. And do you have a favorite drill that you've done with your teams through the years? Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the things that we've we've done a lot. Some people even talk about it like we transition well as a team. And I like doing approach pass, uh, you know. You approach down the line, uh, play it out. If you win the point, then whoever wins the point then approaches the next point and um, then go backhand down the line, then go inside in. And, you know, you mix it up to where I, I think it really develops that skill because in, in tennis, you may not come to the net that many times in a match, but the ones you do, I think are really important. And, mm -hmm you have that skill, it develops your forward game. And I think it develops you as players. Uh, so that's, that's a drill I've always liked. I, I also like, um, uh, doubles cadence, uh, where you start the point with, uh, an overhead and you got to touch the net and then the other team lobs and uh, you got to win three in a row to win one point. I love that game as well. Okay. And can you name one thing you've changed your mind on in recent years, whether that's in coaching or in life? <laughs> Yeah. You know, I think I've, I've, I've changed the, the, the idea of smaller groups practice. 
Um, you know, historically we've always done it, you know, everyone shows up same time and, uh, we don't, we still do that, but I, I think this small group practice is something that I've changed. I felt like I saw the need for that, um, more individual time, more time one-on-one. I think it's, it's helped us in the player development area. I think that's why a lot of our guys are, um, have progressed and moved on because there, there was individual time not just by myself, but all, all three of us as coaches spending individual time with players. What is your favorite quote? You know, I, I actually I actually wrote it down. This is something I try to tell them. And, um, uh, it, and I say, after college, I've never had anyone tell me that they wish they had played less tennis or that they had studied less. <laughs> so I just trying to trying to, um, uh, you know, I, I've never had anyone tell me that. Everyone's like, I wish I had practiced harder or mm-hmm. more or played more tournaments. Or I've had people say, you know, I could have studied harder. So that's something I always tell our freshmen is like, you know, when you're done, you're never going to say, I wish I had, uh, you know, so I, I guess that's, that would be the quote that I, I kind of use. So. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah, I've heard the same thing about I've got to go for a run later. And it's like, I, I hate the, the, the first mile or so. I hate the build up to it. But then I never regret it afterwards. Right. I, I, I come back in and I feel great. So uh, I love that. Um, what is one lesson you hope all your players have learned by the time they leave Florida State? You know, I, I think the tennis really prepares them for life. And, you know, and, uh, um, you know, we talk a lot about being tough and what it means to be tough and, and uh, you know, not making excuses. And when you're down to come back, uh, I have a spear um, and uh, I used to keep um, matches that they were down a set and a break that they came back and won or they're down in the third and they came back and won. Uh, you know, to instill that, you know, it's never over and, you know, I keep, keep battling until uh, the end. So, you know, um, uh, you know, playing college tennis, it's going to make them more successful uh, in, in the work world. Uh, you know, I think, you know, um, this year I have an incredibly deep team, so it's incredibly competitive who's going to play and who's not. And, um, you know, I always say to them, you know, control what you can control. And, uh, you know, if, if it means coming and serving a few extra balls to make your serve better or taking extra returns while we're talking, I've, I've got some guys out there practicing right now doing serves and returns and, uh, or, um, you know, doing more than is expected. Uh, it always pays off and it pays off in life too. So, uh, if you, if, you're working for a business and and you do something that wasn't asked of you you do something extra uh, ultimately that that's you're going to get rewarded on that whether it's on the skill that you learned or it, it's monetary uh it, it always pays off so um i think just having that uh, uh the tennis is going to prepare you for life well, Dwayne, thanks for sharing some of your experiences and insights with our coaches today. I, I really appreciate it and learned a lot from you over the, the last 50 minutes or so. So best of luck this season. We'll be following your progress and uh, hope to see you further down the line. Okay. Hey, thank you. Great, great being part of it.